0: Song, Cody. Mary <laughs> to Who
1: podcast
2: podcast. podcast.
1: Okay, you're going to do it all. Got it. <laughs>
2: he's, he's doing everybody's part.
1: Okay, sorry. Got in the way there.
2: Welcome to Mary to Who, a <laughs> podcast for a couple of. Sund- A podcast where a couple of couples watch Doctor Who for the very first time. My name is Jake, with me are Cody and Sam. And that's it. (laughs) This week, we're here to talk about the Keys of Marinus. But first, we have some news to talk about. It's going to be pretty old news by the time this comes out, but it's newish to us. First off, we know when Doctor Who is coming back. Season 13 is starting on Halloween Day. Woohoo! Woo-hoo. Spoopy? Woo-hoo. is it gonna be spoopy that's why the intro was so uh, spoopy probably not <laughs> uh, I think they made it before they knew when it was coming out
1: oh that's good point true
2: but more importantly after Jody Whitaker's time on the show which is still a whole nother season and then a year of three specials Russell T Davies is coming back as the showrunner
1: Woo-hoo! I haven't I need to go back and see what He did, because I can't really remember.
2: He did all of David Tennant's era and Christopher Eccleston's era. He did the first five years of the show.
1: That wasn't Rory, so...
2: No. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) Sam only cares about Rory. (laughs) You should have known this coming in. But that's not the only... And, you know, maybe that's exciting for you, maybe it isn't. I am kind of torn. On one half, I'm, like, super excited, because RTD's great... I really liked his time running the show. And the stuff he's made since, I think, has only made him a better writer and showrunner. He's had a lot of critical and financial success since then. Um, So he'll have a different perspective. But more importantly, Doctor Who is going to be co-produced by an outside production team for the first time ever. They... The way the BBC works is they have, like, this board of governors that decides rules for the BBC because the BBC is funded by tax dollars. And so in the last, or, like, two of these meetings ago, I don't know how often they do these, they decided that, like, 40% of BBC programming has to be offered out to other outside production companies to see if they could, like, make an offer on co-producing or producing. And in their latest meeting, they decided 100% of BBC shows have to do this. And so this company that, for lack of a better phrase, won the bid to run Doctor Who is Bad Wolf. The, co- the people that ran Doctor Who those first five years, because Russell C. Davies didn't run it by himself, the producers on the show were Julie Gardner and Jane Tranter, and they, after leaving Doctor Who, started a company called Bad Wolf. And they've had a lot of success. They do um, that Golden Compass show on HBO right now.
1: Never heard of it.
2: Yeah, that show. Uh, it's a series of very popular books that they made into... Or it's... his Sorry, His Dark Materials is what the show is called. And the books. Oh. And so anyway, the exciting part about that is with another production company comes money. (laughs) And with money, a company like that can go to the BBC and say, hey, not only were we super successful when we ran Doctor Who, but we'll give you Russell T. Davies. And the BBC is like, you know, crunching the numbers and that fits the algorithm. And that's what they, so they said yes. And russie davies is coming back to a show he said many times he would never come back to but he gets to work with his friends and i'm sure they were able to back up the brinks truck to his driveway and just dump all that green
1: <laughs> all
2: over his yard but then on top of that it was just announced this week about two weeks after the announcement that bad wolf is going to be co-producing doctor who Bad Wolf was bought by Sony for $60 million. <laughs> Holy
0: what? shit. So now
2: Sony is the co-producer of Doctor Who. What are the ch- They just kind of pretty their... big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, like I said, I'm kind of torn because on one hand, I love Rusty Davies, and I think it's exciting to let to see what those same people can do, you know. 15 years later with a different mindset and a a beefier budget on the other hand it's like there's a lot of great voices out there a lot of great writers let's like let's see what someone else could do with it that's kind of the exciting part of doctor who is that it changes all the time so you know potato tomato okay <laughs>
3: Married to who? Podcast.
1: Again,
3: again, again.
1: Okay,
0: that's enough.
2: So. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um... Okay, Jill and Alex are here now. Hey, Jill. Yep. What do you think about Russell T. Davies coming back to run Doctor Who?
4: To be honest, I don't even remember which episodes or seasons <laughs> Russell hey, T. Davies ran did. to start did. with.
2: Sam said the same thing. He I'm... did the first five years, so all of David Tennant and all of Christopher Eccleston.
4: I mean, okay, so I jumped in on what you guys were talking about, or you were talking about Jake, just having new blood, and I—I I mean, that seems legit. Like, yeah, why would you go back to, like, somebody in the same position? Like, I don't know who it is, but there have been people who are writers and then take over a showrunner. Yeah, that makes sense. But why would you go back to someone who's already done it? How have the ratings been? Dr. Have Who-y? they, have they been
1: down?
2: They're down. It was during Russell's time as the showrunner that the ratings were the highest ever. The two highest-rated episodes ever were the one where David Tennant gets shot by a Dalek and they do the fake-out regeneration when he just, like, pours all the regeneration energy into his hand. That one and Jodie Whittaker's first episode.
1: Really? Yeah. Interesting.
2: Well, anyway, we kind of talked about it. (laughs) Um, I'm both happy and bummed at the same time. More happy that we're getting some outside production. I know there's some, like, diehard fans that don't want outside involvement other than the BBC. I don't know. There's a lot of good stuff going on with Doctor Who, but a lot of bad stuff at the same time. I'm I'm excited for large amounts of money being put into Doctor Who. Yeah. Y'all want to talk about yeah. the keys of Marinus? Not really. Okay. <laughs>
1: okay.
2: This week we are here to talk about the keys of Marinus, written by Terry Not Nation, really, though. directed by John Gory, aired April 11th through May 16th, 1964. As always, I ask you guys out of The 156 classic stories, where did this one fall on the Doctor Who Magazine 50th Anniversary poll? Jill, where do you think this one landed? 40. That is a good guess. Alex?
3: I was kind of thinking the same. Like, it's got to be like 40s and 50s. I'm going to say 56. Sam?
4: 38.
0: Cody? Nice. Nice. What did Sam say? 38. 39?
4: Hold on, is it closest without going over? What's any should over? Definitely pick one. That's
0: the big, that's the big over question. Over is higher. a number
2: that's higher <laughs> than a previous number.
4: <laughs> like over under? It's like prices Right. Anyway, watch it doesn't Price really matter
2: because right? it's number 119.
4: What? Oh, people, I rated these. People
2: do not like this story.
1: <laughs> I liked it. Better so than I am, anything we watched.
0: <laughs> it, no, wrong.
1: Okay, which episode was better?
0: Which episode was better than The Keys of Meridus? Yeah. Apparently the entire Daleks, series?
2: Daleks was better.
0: Look <laughs> like in every episode we've seen up to this episode. Okay,
2: before we get into that, we've got a couple tweets. Um, BT Flibby Gigot says, I will defend Keys of Meridus with my life.
0: oh no not
2: even in the semi-ironic way i'll defend stuff like the underwater menace i just genuinely think it's a great story the fetch quest aspect keeps the pacing moving along nicely the environments are all fun and unique despite the stretched budget and the doctor becoming a defense lawyer in the last two episodes is absolutely hilarious screw fandom's received perceived wisdom (laughs) this story slaps (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, we're reviewing this story just tug and cheek the whole way
2: through. I see. No, no, and I'm I'm gonna spoil my thoughts. Everything BT Flippity just said is exactly how I feel about this story. I fucking love Keys of Marinus. I love I the also, last two episodes.
3: Yes, I also like it like this. Uh, I'm really bad in re- relate or relating things to D and D lately, but this is a whole goddamn campaign in one <laughs> story. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> okay.
1: The. The last two episodes, the snow episode is where it's at.
0: That was so creepy,
2: man. (laughs) It's just
0: (laughs) uncomfortable.
2: Before we get to that, just to get um, an opinion on the other, the flip side, uh, Mrs. McCrimmon at Mrs. J. McCrimmon says, the Emperor Barbara sees through the mirage and then smashes it all down is fabulous, a great idea for a world, and I think could have been a whole story. Also, Barbara's amer- amazing and gets to show it. The rest of it, meh.
3: Oh, no.
0: Barbara kind of was slapping for this series. She was doing great. And, like, everything that Barbara picked up, she took from Susan because Susan just really went down.
2: Oh, can I <laughs> give you a quote from Carol Ann Ford about this uh, or this story? Yeah, please um, provide quote. Hold on. So I'm Carol, Ann Ford, on, I'm holding. Carol Ann Ford was displeased with the writing of Susan and described her as, quote, pathetic, unquote. <laughs>
0: okay. Hey, yep, that's it. That's correct. Everything we've said bad about Susan in the last episodes is
2: multiplied for this one.
1: Uh, that's been her the whole time. I just have gotten kind of used to it at this point.
2: <laughs> well, you guys might have noticed that there's two episodes where the doctor isn't in it. And yes, that's yes. because it's weird. Um, William Hartnell had been working for six months straight, pretty much without a day off. Um, the way they made the show is Monday through Thursday, they would rehearse um, Friday and Saturday. They would shoot it and then they'd come in on Sundays to do any pickup shots if they needed, because there's like a technical error and they always needed to. <laughs> so it was oh, no. seven days a week for six months. So it was um written into the story that he would get two weeks off Carol Ann ford is also not in the whole episode and that's just because susan sucks <laughs> the whole oh, reason no. cut out
1: honestly didn't ah. notice that susan was missing in an episode so there you go
2: <laughs> that's when ian's just like hey you guys go ahead i'll go save barbara by myself you're really dragging me down <laughs> <laughs> classic so,
0: ian
1: um full transparency we, like, started watching it in one room and then moved to another room, and when we started it, we didn't realize that it started in the middle of an episode, so we, like, watched two episodes, then half of one episode, then the next one, no, then the next two, then went back and rewatched an episode. It got real confusing, Yeah, so. It's
2: really tough when we're all using the same HBO Max, or the same Amazon Prime, <laughs> um, Mm-hmm. Because then yeah. if someone, like, gets halfway through and then you're like, oh, I'll watch this. Jill, what'd you think of the story as a whole?
4: I really like the story as a whole. Uh, the fir- last two episodes definitely stood out and probably made up for the first four. Um, but I like the whole, like, premise. I like the kind of mystery who done it, type whatever. I thought the Doctor, like, really got to shine in this story, which I think has kind of been missing. Um, and he, like, wasn't a dick, finally. Like,
2: It's funny, because just... I agree with you that he gets to shine, particularly in those last two episodes. But to to say that this is one where the Doctor really shined, and he's not in two of the episodes. <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's true. I, th- I mean, it's definitely the last two, like, where he's doing stuff, yeah, yeah. and it's really cool to see that. Like, he takes charge. Well, and you and... see,
2: even, even in that first scene, when he comes back, you can tell... That William Hartnell is like refreshed and energized. Like he's just got like an extra bounce in his step. Yeah. I was
3: going to ask you like, they do shoot this in order, right? So, like, he did seem. Because they're putting these episodes out. So, like,
2: they're shooting episode four when episode one is like airing.
3: Yeah. He seems super relaxed and in his wheelhouse
4: on the last two. I was like, I thought episodes. So I, I appreciate the story arc and, like, the individual story within the story, like, so that they can do individual episodes that mean something, but then you put them all together. Like, I, th- I thought the writer did a really good job of that. However, I thought three and four were pretty boring and really struggled to stay awake through each of them. Oh,
2: is that because Terry Nation managed to write in another 20-minute sequence of people jumping over a small hole? I
4: said that exactly. <laughs> so same
2: thing. Painful. He's obsessed. He can't let it go.
4: And like, I don't, I don't know that they could have like gotten rid of those episodes, but maybe they could have been combined. It just felt like there's a whole lot of nothing in both of them that did eventually lead to part of solving the puzzle. But it was painful. Well, and that's
2: another thing too is that like a lot of so like they have to pump out episodes. They're doing forty two to forty five episodes a year. So like they can't condense episodes, like they have quotas to fill. So it's usually the other way around, where they're like, "We need to stretch this shit out."
4: That makes sense as far as quotas. Yeah, and it does. Like it gave like the, uh, it's not a side cast. What's that called? The supporting cast. Yeah, gave the supporting cast a chance to do something, which is cool. Yeah, whether
2: they were wearing pants or not.
4: Oh, gosh. There's some real <laughs> sketchy scenes.
2: Well, in Altos, even in the freezing, when that dude's like, oh, don't worry, I gave him a bunch of warm clothes. He's fine. Still not wearing pants.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, should we go through the kind of stories within the story one at a time here?
4: Does anyone else get to say what they thought? Or was I the only one that
3: didn't? I
2: think you're the only one that didn't. Right? Everyone feel good? Well,
3: yeah, I I had my injection, but I I, I do also really like the characters of Sabitha and Altos. I felt like we got to know
2: them really well
3: over this overarching story. It it was
2: really fun. Is there any way they can split Susan's salary and just join the team? (laughs) Right? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, spoiler for MVP, it's going to be one of them. Okay, so... First episode is just kind of the setup. I do really like the kind of mystery, kind of any story where they just land on a planet and they're like, What's this place? and they have to figure it out for a little bit. Those are always my favorite parts. And so this one has some fun stuff because there's a little, or there's an ocean made of acid, there's these weird submarines, and there's a pyramid that they, you know, stand in front of paintings of. And, trying
1: to remember the first episode.
2: Well, they go up to there the was... pyramid. They walk around. They slowly kind of get like uh, trap doored into it.
1: Mm, there's a lot of trap doors.
2: Yeah. This episode has one of my favorite things from sixties Doctor Who is a silent knife fight <laughs> where Ian and um, one of the Lord are having a knife fight to absolute silence, and it's so good. <laughs>
3: And literally two seconds before that there was background music because something was dramatic and then it just cut into a knife fight.
1: (laughs) Can't lose any focus. Gotta focus only on the knives and the fights.
2: (laughs) Hey, those guys worked really hard on that fight. (laughs) Is Is that Ian's first blood? Uh, if you don't count Daleks, I suppose. Oh, yeah.
1: He has a taste.
2: (laughs) He has a taste for murder. (laughs) Oh, guys, wait till next podcast. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, And then they, you know, they meet um, the dude and they get their quest.
3: I'm blanking on that guy's name. Me too, because I didn't write it down.
2: Alabrish.
3: Yep.
1: Alabaster. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's it's close to that oh shit it's yeah it's exactly speaking that. of trying to remember everybody's name um cody it is now time yeah. for cody's 60 second plot synopsis on your mark it's a go they landed on this weird island with a pyramid thing. And then there's a guy. The guy's
0: like, Now you can't leave, lol. There's a big shield around your shit. Uh, go get me some keys, please. Scuba men trying to kill me. Bye. They teleport over to this giant illusion. There's a guy who's like, I'll give you everything. But lol, just kidding. Suddenly we're in a. Gi- I don't know. I watched the episodes a little bit mixed up. So I think it was a nice storm next. There's a creepy guy doing creepy things. I left him over in the cave. Go save them. Now you, you stay here with me. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> and then they get to the cave. They go back and they get the guy. They push the guy to the cave. And then the cave turns into like this, this door that turns around. There's like this police society. And then Ian gets in trouble for murder because he had this stick thing like a mace, and the key was inside of a case. He gets knocked out. Somebody else gets the key, and then they find him there. He's like, You stole the key. And I'm like, I didn't steal the key. The doctor's like, He didn't steal the key. And they're like, He didn't steal the key. And then they're free and they go back. But suddenly the dude's wearing the dude's robes and they give him a fake key. And it all explodes. They get out of the TARDIS, and who the hell else Time. knows what's next? Perfect. Oh, that was pretty nice.
2: good. Nice. <laughs> Okay, so Mrs. J said the second episode's her favorite, the one where they show up to a place, it's all an illusion, and Barbara figures it out. Go. There's an illusion, and Barbara figures it out. I <laughs> want you to tell me well, what you she thought didn't, about it, dickhead.
0: <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't figure
3: it out. She accidentally rolled over in her sleep, which those beds are the worst. They're less than a twin. Like, what the fuck? They're like fainting couches, right? Yeah, it was weird. Um, but yes, I, I really enjoyed the camera work on that whole reveal. Um, where like it's from the perspective of the TARDIS team looking at uh oh my god. <laughs> I almost called her Sabitha. Fuck, Barbara. Uh looking at Barbara and like you can see all the decadent stuff around her and her clothing and then it and then it pans to like her view and you can see all like the the Terries in the back. That's Tatters. Uh, and like all the like, no bad clothing. jokes
2: the podcast. <laughs> the podcast
3: is where that joke originates. Nobody knows that. Oh, well, our hardcore fans do. <laughs> Don't have
2: hardcore fans. <laughs> okay.
3: But uh, yeah, like then from her side, it, it's all like gross
0: and dingy and bad. And I, I thought that was really neat. This was the episode that Sam and I Missed the second half.
2: Oh, Oh, so you didn't see? You didn't see Babs smash the jars uh, that had brains with eyes inside of them. No. Okay,
1: (laughs) I was like, why don't I remember any of this?
3: It was a bunch of Garys. It looked like Gary the snail in a bunch of jars.
4: (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) when I think back to episodes one and two, I don't really see how they fit into the final story. Like,
2: well, they're they went there for the keys. They're the ins like. The first one is the instigator, like it gives them the quest. The second one is a way for them to find some friends to come with them. And just to tell like that quick little fun story that Terry Nation wanted to tell of like this illusion uh, or this place that can give you whatever you want, but it's all a lie. Uh, I think every sci-fi show does that at some point.
3: Dude, it's a goddamn campaign. Like, that is some (laughs) hype D&D shit right there.
2: But yeah, this whole story, like, it does... Like, on one hand, it's cool because it feels like a proper planet. Like, they go to so many different places. in, In so much of Doctor Who, even Modern Who, every planet is really like a town. And that's all you ever see of it. And the fact that they explore this entire planet and that it's so different... Makes it gives yes. gives it like a scope or a sense of scope, but on the other hand, the disparity between like this pyramid with this crazy technology and this caveman and you know these people that just live at a normal place with like a courtroom drama going on, there's they so don't fit together that it's it kind of takes away from that a little bit.
3: I don't know. You look at different places on our earth, and it's just like man it's so different (laughs) like you can find cavemen and then like people having a cop drama sure man I mean it's the same thing right
1: what is cop drama
3: (laughs) I said cop cop (laughs) drama
4: I was like are they fighting over corn
2: (laughs) oh my god
4: I think it's actually Cobb salads. Yeah. I literally was thinking of that.
2: Episode three. Cody, this is the one you completely missed in your synopsis. The screaming jungle. Oh, this yeah. is probably the this is the worst episode.
0: I would, Uh, I would agree. Yeah, it's so bad. I remember this one. Everything about those vines is bad. Yeah. But what about the statue? The one redeeming factor of the (laughs) dude sitting with his arms. With the
1: arms, (laughs) we were trying to figure out if it was one guy or two people with each one
0: arm. Oh, it was one guy trying to grab that ass. (laughs) (laughs) He was stretching. Yeah.
1: My favorite part was the when Barbara fell in the net and couldn't get up, and then the little <laughs> pokers that came down.
2: She's just thrashing about the, the with net a very loose net. <laughs> the net is the lighter
3: than she is; like there were no weights.
2: <laughs> and she and didn't did she eventually get yeah. <laughs> out of
1: it on her own, like easily. Yep. And also, the guy that like comes out and stands there, and he's like, "Oh wait." I'm not supposed to be here yet, and then walks away and then comes back when it is his turn.
3: In my head headcanon, he like saw what was happening and then had to go back and flip the switch to like stop the kill machine.
2: Yeah, I think that's kind <laughs> I, I also thought that. I thought both things. I don't know.
1: That whole scene was pretty <laughs> uh, spectacular. And
2: while she's writhing around, Ian is like bending the bars of a jail cell, <laughs> escaping yes. it all on his own, not making a fucking peep. Like he could hear Barbara. Like when it shows him, you could hear Barbara in the background. So he could just be like, I'm coming. But instead, nothing. He gives her no hope.
1: <laughs> uh, or when she like murders the vine with a rock.
2: Yeah. It's
1: great. It's great acting. Doesn't she tell Susan that it's not alive, but she just tried to murder it? Is she just doing that to protect her?
2: I think just to shut her up. Okay. Like, this is when they get rid of her. Like, they're like, hey, you guys, you take Susan on ahead. Susan, you live with them now. (laughs) We're we're leaving. (laughs) But this is, like, Susan, in almost, uh, or in every story of, or every episode of this story, somebody goes ahead first. And in this case, it was Susan. And she's just having a mental fucking breakdown. (laughs) Like, she's just screaming I mean when... she's
1: just being Susan. Right.
2: But when anybody asks her why, she can't tell them because she can't form a sentence. <laughs> this is the unearthly <laughs> child. She's a genius, and she can't put a sentence together of there's a bunch of noises coming out of the jungle, and it scared me. <laughs>
1: uh, and it's so true, like she's been traveling with the doctor. We don't know how much, but I mean she had to have somewhat and she is the most unhinged of them all.
3: I do kind of like the the idea of a jungle that has been mutated and is growing faster and like can kill. Like I think that's that's cool, but they did not
0: I don't know. They didn't do it well. <laughs> <laughs> the props were the cheapest thing you could possibly do and not a lot of creativity in how they did it. Everything was fishing line.
3: Like, that could be a really good, um, environmentalist episode where, like, the jungle fights back. (laughs) It's like a Sharknado type (laughs) vibe.
2: Uh, this is one of many, uh, instances in this story of, something I'm keeping track of, which is Ian's hero complex. So like when Barbara is missing and they think they have the key that they were there for. So he gives it to Altos and Sabitha, and it's like you guys go ahead take take the crying kid, I'll go save Barbara and we'll just meet up with you which makes no sense. Like, use the resources you have, which are these people who live on this planet. (laughs) Like, why are you sending them away? And then even when he finds out the key is fake, and they, like, oh shit, not only do I have to find Barbara, I have to find this key. Again, I'm not from here. He's just like, nope, Sabitha, you go ahead. I'll do it all by myself. I'm going to keep pointing out his hero complex stuff because uh, it's fun for me. (laughs) Jill, you got any thoughts on the Screaming Jungle?
4: Uh, I was really disturbed by the, the man arms, mostly. <laughs> Everything else just sucked. I was just thinking about, like, as far as camera, like, they had super good camera angles, I thought, like, throughout this whole six episodes. But that one would be particularly challenging because, like, there's just so much people involvement that, like yeah. Sam said, there were a couple of, like, oopsies, but... Everything else was really good. It must have taken forever to shoot it.
2: Yeah, i trying to think. I don't know when they moved to their new studio, which wasn't necessarily a lot bigger, but it was easier to kind of use. Like, it didn't start on fire all the time. And stuff like that. Anyway. Episode 4, The Snows of Terror, Rapey Cave Boy, and... Frozen robot monsters? Soldiers?
0: Right? What yeah, were well, those things? They they were like knights.
2: Yeah. But like zombie
0: knights, but not zombies. They just moved like zombies.
2: Yeah, this is where Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade got it. Like their, their knight that was guarding the grail.
0: Oh, suddenly it all makes Ooh, sense.
2: 20 years later. Uh-huh. 25 years later.
0: When they were doing the casting, and this dude walked in, and he's just like, now you're here with me, alone. Everybody slammed their folders down was like, you're fucking hired. <laughs> and stay away from the women in this room, please. <laughs> that was the creepiest thing I've seen on television in a long, long the line time. That, that the dude... line that got me was like, it keeps
3: anything out, and then looks at her, and in.
0: Like, oh my yeah, God. <laughs> holy, that's that's the line right there. That's the big one.
1: Okay, but then the door like doesn't even keep the wind out. That door is trash.
0: <laughs> it is a trash. Well, door. yeah, they busted
3: through it no problem with like four swings of a sword.
1: And the stabbing was also pretty comical.
0: Yeah, every stabbing is comical <laughs> in this era of Doctor Who. They're all bad. I thought you were gonna say in the world. <laughs> 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 I got stabbed. So Those... funny. Oh, oh damn. That's pretty bad, man.
2: The only thing I ever think about this uh this episode in the story is about that climbing across the the frozen log in the the very small space that they have to cross. And it's all I can think about when I think about this episode because it's the worst. And it's Terry Nation doing the exact same thing again. Stop it, Terry. And you'll, we'll see later, like he does repeat himself a lot. And he only did two non Dalek stories, but a lot of the Dalek stories have a lot of the same beats. And he does at times get called out by the producers of the show when he submits a script. Where they just go, yeah, we bought this script from you last year. <laughs> Get a, make a new one.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so does he have to pitch his scripts, or do they just say write something? Um, I don't know the answer to that. Hmm. I do know that eventually he gets, like, they suggest ideas. And gotcha. I'm sure there's like, hey, we have this much space in the schedule. Can you write a four-parter or a seven-parter or whatever? Okay, moving on. Well, but before we move on, there's one one thing I really made me laugh about this episode is when Ian and Barbara first show up on the snowy mountain, they just immediately give up. It's like, it's so cold, I can't it's literally been seconds. And they're like, we are dead, we have died, and they just lie down. <laughs> we are dead. Okay, courtroom drama. They land in a new place. Ian is accused of murder. The one thing I'll say before I let you guys go is the... When the doctor shows up, it's the most, like, modern doctors that we've seen William Hartnell be like so far. Like, you could imagine a Capaldi or a tenant like, showing up on a planet, being off-screen for days... And then the next time we see them, he, like, has ingratiated himself with the locals. And so when one of his friends is on trial for murder, he hears about it and shows up just in time, knowing everything he needs to know. It's uh, my favorite part. And just that scene where he shows up, like, he's so energized and jazzed to be there.
1: He does seem more new hooey doctory for sure.
2: He's helpful
0: and he's helping his companions and he's like ride or die helping.
1: And like smart. Like in the previous episodes, he's like, I don't know what that means. I don't know.
3: That's also true, yeah. Yeah, Good point. he was super clever. And in this whole thing, like after he went to the scene, he knew exactly where the key was, which not, like no one else knew except the murderer and him. And so, like, he was just flexing, like, his super big brain in this last, or in that in that story, I guess. Because that story spanned two episodes. But, yeah.
2: It was very cool. Jill? Yes? <laughs> you really like these ones? <laughs> Tell us why.
4: I thought these two, like, these two stories, like, go together really well. Like... I don't know. And and like I said earlier, the doctor like standing up for Ian and like making a case for him and defending him and like figuring it out. I liked watching all of that. Um, I don't know. It was pretty much the doctor against the whatever that dude's name is. Tish. The one at the T that was accusing Ian.
3: We just call him Trish.
4: Do we? Why not? We do now. Sure. (laughs) Trish. It's fun to see like a head-to-head courthouse battle scene.
2: Yeah. And for that other, the prosecutor, he wasn't evil. He was just doing his job.
4: Right.
3: Like
2: the the person who was the bad guy was just one of the other guys.
3: Oh no, it was the Inquisitor was the good guy, but the bad guy was actually the prosecutor because he was the one that planned the whole thing, right?
2: I will say, Kala, who played the wife of the the murderer um and shot her husband uh she's great i think uh she she was right up there in my mvp race she's the the actor did a good job acting is what i'm saying yeah
1: <laughs> you're not saying she's a good person for the things <laughs> that she did in the show
2: <laughs> nah i heard she's a bitch
4: <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite things is the like well he's dead now he can't do anything moving on
3: (laughs) yeah what a crazy world in like the burden of uh the burden how did he word it the burden of uh innocence is on you
4: yeah so it's not like innocent proving until proven guilty is opposite
3: yeah that's so wild
0: that's incomprehensibly wrong. It also
4: felt a little bit, like, backwards because there was, like, a weird pause where Ian's like, well, you have to prove it. And he's like, not in my world that I don't.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that's fun. It's like, every season of Star Trek has an episode like that where it's like, hey, we have this, like, common law rule that everyone should have. What if we went to a planet where it wasn't like that? And <laughs> then they have, then they're, Everyone's just amazed, like, but how could this be? It's like, dude, you're on another planet. <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> how is this blowing your mind? It happens every season. Uh, I will say, I really like the production design on these last two episodes. Like, the courtroom's really cool looking. Um, I like how they're able to get, like, it feels like it's really full of people, but also kind of a futuristic-y or alien-y design And then I like like call his apartment and just little touches like the telephones are weird The one guy like has a pen. That's like the weirdest looking thing I've ever seen. Like no (laughs) one would ever write with a pen like that. It's like the opposite of ergonomic. Like you have to break your wrist to write with this thing. (laughs) I
3: really enjoyed the, uh, the councilman people with their hats. And then the two on the ends, like the one on each side they're, I got like heavy knights of knee from them because of their like yes! mustaches and goatees. <laughs> oh, man.
1: Said that out loud.
3: You did. Wait, which I guys? can't confirm. The the council, like the, the judges.
1: Oh, I said it. I think about oh, the ice castle the, guys.
0: The ice castle ice guys. Castle guy. I thought you were talking about like the, oh, right. The zombie knights. Mm-hmm.
3: No, that would be more like the, the fl- black knights. Like the Black Knight, I mean. I did say tis a flesh maybe, wound. Maybe, maybe not the them. Knights of Knee, but the the like the Frenchman on the on the wall.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and your mother. That's pretty of perfect.
3: Yeah, yes. but like you know what I mean, like with the mustache and then the goatee. Hey, hey guess what, guys? <laughs> this is all getting cut out. Oh no!
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll, f- we'll probably offend our British if watchers If I learned like, anything, I don't Jake, know. I listened no. to an episode of this podcast today, and you don't cut shit out.
3: <laughs> <You listen laughs>
2: to our
1: Holy Grail is the best.
2: Um, yeah, sometimes I say I'm going to cut something out and leave it in because it's funny. But I definitely don't do it every time because then this thing would really be bogged down. Yeah, and then they go back to... Arbitan is the name of the old guy that was killed by the board, who set them on this yeah. quest. They go back. That's the board have taken over. Ian gives them the fake key. It destroys the pyramid. And they go home. Or they get in the TARDIS. Okay,
1: what was that machine supposed to do?
2: So it controlled the minds of all of the humans on the planet in that it Told them, or it had it gave them the ability to tell right from wrong, so it was like they they call it the conscience, it's their conscience. When the Vord show up,
1: conscious,
2: <laughs> right? Well, conscience, not conscious, con- con- um, conscience. The Vord show up, there's a battle, they manage to fend them off, but the Vord have been there a long time and they keep like testing, but the if they got their hands on the machine, they could control all of the people, mind control them, and take over the planet. So they, Arbitan took the keys and spread them all over the planet. But in the interim, he's been working on a way to make the machine so it would also work on the Vord the same as it works on the humans. So now he's ready, so he wants the keys so he can control the Vord as well.
3: But it's not really a control, is it? It's more of just a like erasing evil intention, right?
2: I mean, everyone says that. Yeah. But you know.
3: Yeah, I don't know. It like, if it was Arbitan just wants to control the minds of everybody on the planet, I feel like the doctor would be like, well, that's fucking crazy. Like, you shouldn't do that. But instead, he said it removes evil from our world, and the Doctor's like, I'm in.
2: <laughs> but he does at the end pull Sabitha aside and say, hey, Boo, sorry about your dad, but, like, don't do this again. <laughs> like, I know it's going to be tempting to continue his work, don't do that. Like, machines shouldn't control man, is what he says.
3: That would be really cool if they if they had another story on Marinus in knew Who, and, like, maybe she did continue it, and then... Like maybe they would call it like the armies of Marinus because then she could control everybody and then started like galactic uh, takeover.
0: Oh god, that'd be
3: so fucking cool!
2: All right, get this guy a contract. <laughs> In Capaldi's second to last story, um, the Doctor falls. He lists out loud all of the places that he spot the Cybermen, or that the Cybermen, not where he's fought them, but where they've originated, to prove that the Cybermen are inevitable. And one of the places he says is Marinus, because there is a book or maybe a comic book um, where there's a Cyberman origin on Marinus and the doctor has to go there and fight them. Oh, shit. So maybe we'll have to look for that one day. That's cool.
0: <laughs>
2: oh, speaking of stuff we're going to do one day, Alex. Yeah? In the mail today, I just got the blu-ray of the newly released fully animated evil of the daleks one of the ones we had to skip because it's completely missing hell yeah so that's second doctor and jamie it's when they meet victoria and bring her on
3: so this was after power right
2: yes Okay. because that's the second doctor's first episode oh that
3: is yeah okay sick i like second doctor he's cool Hey, Jill.
4: Yes? Who's your MVP? Mm, Do you have to ask? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think I might be with Mrs. J. Barbara kind of killed it. The actress that plays Barbara.
2: I will say she kills it until the one episode where she's the only woman. And then she's just screaming the whole time. Because Terry Nation doesn't know how to do it without... One woman just screaming the whole time.
4: What else are you supposed to do? <laughs> Have a conversation? <laughs> but,
2: like, she she figures everything out in episode two. She smashes the brains in the jars and frees everybody. In the courtroom drama, she goes and saves the kidnapped Susan for some reason. <laughs> and, oh, <no. laughs> like, she figures it out there with a slip of the tongue from, uh, from Kala. And, yeah. Barbara's fucking awesome in this one. Alex, who you got?
0: Uh,
3: fuck. I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with uh, ca- uh, casting director, I guess. For the uh, secondary actors that they pulled in. I thought all this, like, outside of the primary group, everyone was just really good. It made the world feel
2: alive. Sam. Um,
1: I will go with. I agree with Barbara. She was really good.
2: Cody.
0: It's my boy Altos.
2: Yeah. The Fresh Maker.
0: <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> he was great. Everything about it was great. He did a phenomenal job, casted in his role, really played it, acted up. And like this series, you can really tell there's a lot of folks that don't have much for acting chops. I feel like he's got it. And he did great. I liked him. Also, no pants, man.
2: <laughs> um. Well, seeing as you picked Altos, I don't have to. So I'm going to pick Sabitha. I think the hey. two of them together are great. I want more of them and less of everybody else. Altos light. <laughs> and her and Altos, besides being pretty good and good actors, not bad to look at. Let's see. I cannot find a casting director, Alex. Yeah, that's fine. They don't they don't list a large amount of crew. They
0: know who they are. Casting director was also maintenance. It's <laughs> different back then. I mean,
2: you could just say Verity Lambert for being the producer. Yes.
0: She did it.
2: Or also, um, if you read the notes on the TARDIS wiki, a lot of the secondary casts were cast by the director, John Gorey, because they were all just people he knew. So, like, a lot of the people that you might like in this were directly just cast by him. Well, he... So, maybe it's the case that the director casts all their own people. There you go. He knew
3: some banger of a group of people, I guess.
2: Yeah, and I think Sabitha, he just, like, saw her in something and was like... I Adoy, like that ay, 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 one. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> six foot tall blonde. I'm in. Anyway, so next week, guys, just a four parter, but it's one of the good ones.
0: Oh, it's set nice. on Earth,
2: in the past. It's called the Aztecs.
4: Mm,
3: yes. <laughs>
2: Thanks, Alex. <laughs> I don't want to say more, <laughs> yes. but I, I enjoy this one. I approve the texts of <laughs> as <laughs> All right, song, do it
3: this has been married to who our episode on the
2: keys of marinus if you want to listen to this podcast you can do so on apple Podcasts, spotify or google play uh if you want to tweet at us you can do so at married to who pod on twitter you can follow us on instagram at married to who or you can go onto our website married where you can listen to all backlogged episodes or just you know give us some algorithm numbers i guess on behalf of myself jake cody sam Jill and Alex. Thank you so much for listening and please join us next time for the Aztecs.
4: We <laughs>
0: Bye. Bye.
4: Oh, goodbye.
0: <laughs>
4: Come on back now.